Welcome to Imaging of Things, from mind to page, an inside look into the printing industry. Welcome back to the Imaging of Things, a podcast that focuses on giving fun, informative insight into the evolving world of print, packaging, and beyond. I'm your host, Nick Bankovich, the prophet of print and packaging. This week's guest is a man who has been many things to me, including mentor, business partner, and most recently, my boss. One of the most recognizable faces in the industry, welcome, Mr. Jeff White. Thanks, Nick. Good to see you. Great to see you, Jeff. You know, it's it's been a, a little while since we saw each other, and apparently uh, retirement doesn't sit very well with you. I remember sitting down in Pittsburgh and attending your retirement party, and then it seemed like less than a month later, you show up with this new role. Tell me about what the new role is. Sure. I knew I was going to get this role before I retired. That's uh, something that I've really wanted to do for a long time, and that's working for the Print Graphic Scholarship Foundation helping to uh, get me for students that want to study in our great career, our industry rather. It started out with a, a guy named John Berthelsen who had the, the role previous to me. He used to be the CEO of Subtle Strauss. Great guy. Printing up in Wisconsin. Great guy. Yeah, really good guy. Great company. And he did the role for about five years after he retired. He kind of mentored me through times when I was a chairman of the board of the Graphic Scholarship Foundation. I was on the board for about 15 or 16 years or something like that. And we were actually out at an SGIA in Las Vegas. And he said, hey, I heard you're retiring. I said, yeah, at the end of the year. He goes, how would you like to uh, take on my role at the PGSF? And I said to him, I thought you'd never ask. And so that's pretty much how it, how it happened. And it's, it's supposed to be a part-time, you know, one day a week job. So it doesn't interfere with my social life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sort of the point of retirement, isn't it? And you and I share some common interests, mostly around motorsport and golfing. You know, it's been a great year for Formula One this year. I know you're a big Ferrari fan and, and maybe not the year they want, but it's certainly been a far more interesting year this year. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see them have a couple of nice young drivers that really want to do well. I'm talking about Ferrari. And it's really nice not seeing Lewis Hamilton win every race. <laughs> it's really, really nice not seeing him win every race. It's we're not even halfway through the season. We've actually got a, something going on to see who's going to actually win this thing at the end of the year. So it's, it's really kind of good. but. I don't think I'm going to get to any races this year. How about you? Ah, well, you know, I keep hoping maybe uh, the U.S. Grand Prix or, you know, depending on how the border opens up, I might head up to Canada. But yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know another passion of yours is golf. Are you getting time to, to hit the, the golf course and, and spend any time? How's the handicap looking? You know, somebody told me once last year, they said, uh, you know, when you retire, you get to play a lot more golf. I said, okay, I know I'm looking forward to it. He goes, don't expect to get any better. And uh, <laughs> they were right. So my handicap's actually gone up a few points. So I'm like a 10 now, huh? but it's, but I'm playing a couple of times a week. Played with Mark Olin, the uh, previous CEO, CM, whatever he was, CFO of EFI. Played with him a few times this year. And that's been a lot of fun catching up with him. Excellent. He's enjoying his golf quite a bit too. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah. So, you know, I touched on it in the intro. You and I have known each other around the industry uh, probably a couple of decades now. And, you know, going back to uh, sort of right before Drooper of 2012, I remember a phone call from you and said, hey, we've got this interesting position at EFI and we think you'd be a, a great fit for it. So, you know, I, I know people are going to be asking, what, what made you reach out? What made you think that I was going to be the guy? And why did you hire me? Well, you know, you have an Australian accent. That's the first thing. It lends this whole 
aura of credibility. So <laughs> I learned early that you always try and hire the smartest, brightest people that you can find and try and hire people that are smarter than you. And I certainly felt you fell in that category and you were the perfect fit for the role that we had. So it was a, obviously a great fit because you're still there and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's get back to the industry. You know, I often have this conversation with owners about, you know, where's the next generation going to come? You know, when I grew up and, and you grew up, you know, printing was an interesting, sexy, exciting kind of business, but, you know, the world's changed. And if you go into any school today and, and ask people what they want to do, I, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of people that say, hey, I, I'd like to get into printing. That sounds exciting. You know, I've got four kids and a, a grandson and apparently my grandson wants to be a social media influencer. I'm not actually sure what that is, but it sounds interesting. So tell me about, you know, I, I heard about this competition that's going on that that's sort of driving interest in the industry. Yeah, it's the Skills USA competition. It wrapped up last week. It was canceled, unfortunately, last year because of COVID. It's normally done on site and there's thousands of kids that come, not all in the graphic arts industry. There's plumbers and carpenters and all kinds of trades and different disciplines. But graphic arts is a large part of it and always has been a large part of it. And it's, they have to go through regional competitions by, from the state and then the regions to get to the finals. Uh, and the finals are what we had last, last week. We normally get about 20 people that are in the finals. This year, unfortunately, we only had 10. Again, due to COVID, there was a requirement that they had to be able to do some of the practicum at their college or their, their high school. And a lot of them, to be honest, were still closed. So they kind of got shut out of that. But we had 10 kids that were involved and it was not one of them was 20. And uh, my role was to interview them all for jobs at my, you know, quote unquote, printing company that I was running. And we gave them job descriptions of various jobs that you'd see in a traditional printing operation. And they had to pick a role. And then I interviewed them with Julie Lesh from LSC Communications. She's their head of HR. Right. And that was great. I was impressed. We, we both said we would have hired every one of them. Wow. They were that good. You know, it was the poise. I was never like that when I was 16 years old, you know? <laughs> yeah, you were the tentative kid that was, that was scared to answer the question. Right. Yeah, still am. Uh, <laughs> it was so encouraging. You know, I got off this thing and we had the, it was a two-day competition that they were on. We watched the whole thing online through, through Zoom. And man, it was just so, so encouraging to see what was going on in the industry. Very, very, made me very happy. So that's part of it. Now, was 10 a good number? No, we really wanted to have like 20 or 30 in the finals. So hopefully next year we'll get that many. You bring up an interesting point about your, your grandson. Your, your son wants to be a grandson. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the people that were in the that were signing up all started off in graphic design. That was really where they saw their future. And that a lot of the high schools have done away, unfortunately, with their printing programs. There's some left, but not a lot like when I was going to high school. Yeah, there was always programs there. And it seems like it's it's disappeared from high school. And which makes me wonder, you know, how do these people get any interest in it at all in graphic arts? Well, it's interesting. They start in graphic design mm -hmm. because a lot of them still have those programs. You know, they want to be web designers or they want to be some kind of, you know, whatever, marketing stuff, social media. And then they end up going to some school that has graphic design and may also have a printing program like a Cal Poly and RIT, Clemson. There's a bunch of them. There's actually just as an aside, there's 92 colleges in the United States that still have printing programs. That's actually surprising in some respects. It's 
it's a great number. And I think it bodes well for our industry. Yeah. A lot of two-year local community colleges that still have programs, digital print, things like that. Anyway, they they go for graphic design. And what happens is once they get into a a university or a two-year school, they're usually required to take something that, you know, shows them what printing is, how uh, printing is going to be impacted by their design, how the design has to make sure that they actually can be printed. You know, it's not like it's a website. And a lot of them, after they take that class, they go, you know what? Hmm. I could go work in the printing industry and a make a lot more money than I would be a graphic designer. And there's a lot less competition trying to get in that market space. Yeah. So we see a lot of students that start off at graphic design in high school. They end up in a printing program at one of the universities. Well, it's interesting. I was talking to my daughter who's uh, actually just graduated college with an English lit degree. She started out down the path of journalism. And part of her journalism program was she actually had to do one unit of printing. So to understand how the I'm writing this piece, it's going to get published. How's it going to get published? What's the process look like? So I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, and I, I brought up the issue of money. The printing industry still pays really, really well. Whether you're in an office position or whether you're running a digital printer outside, if you're a six color, eight color pressman. You make some some really good money doing those jobs. And it's not, I think one of the problems we face is that parents of kids that want to go to, to school to be a printer remember when they were back in high school or their fathers were back in high school. And, you know, all you did was get ink on your hands. You know, I know I certainly did. <laughs> yep. Like, why would you want to work in a dirty job like that? And, you know, as well as I do, you walk into a modern printing company today, you walk in the front door, there, there's no ink, I'm very, you know, ink all over the place. The places are spotless. There's white floors, white ceilings. It's it's a great place. It's almost like a clean room in some places. Yeah, it's not the printing industry you and I grew up in. That's for certain. I'm constantly amazed at it, and I think part of it is that it's that history. People don't uh, see it as a, as a modern growing industry. And the other thing that's interesting is what people don't understand is that there are jobs everywhere for this. Yeah, I was talking to someone just yesterday who's decided that they want to move from Portland, Oregon to Florida, and they put their resume out to three companies, sight unseen. They weren't even advertising. He got two offers out of three within a day. Yeah. There's jobs out there. So, you know, it's an exciting time still for our industry. Well, you know, if you expand, you know, I like to think of print as a huge holistic universe. And a lot of people think of print as, you know, somebody printing eight and a half by 11s on a Xerox machine. And the reality is, you know, packaging is huge. Packaging yep. is everywhere. And it's, it's a growing part of the industry. Textile printing is getting there, as you know. Yep. That's a massive growth area. There's so little done digitally today. You know, we've got to get kids interested in those other segments of the industry. And it's interesting, I, you know, I talk to, to people all over the world. And, you know, my comment is always that the throwaway line is, until someone can work out how to email me my iPhone and food, there's going to be packaging. And, and you're right. I see more and more printing in the world everywhere. You know, the, the runs are getting shorter, the diversification of products, the proliferation of SKUs. Yeah, it's, it's driving that complexity to our industry where it's even more tech savvy than it was five years ago, 10 years ago. It's accelerating at a, an outrageous pace. Mm-hmm. And I think... You know, we're certainly going to see more and more of that. And you see, uh, even and on the front end, on the marketing side, you, if you walk through any store, supermarket, go to an Ulta, go to a Target or whatever, you know, the signage there is turning over every few weeks now. It's, it used to be they'd have their spring collection, their fall collection, their summer collection. 
Now it's every couple of weeks they've got new signage in the entire place. And that's requiring a lot of a lot of print. That's it. You know, and it's a lot of has to do with the digital capabilities that are available now in the printing industry. Now, but you know, even if you look at more of the traditional spaces, things like books, there's still growth in the book market. You know, my kids, through very little influence from me, quite honestly, are still book readers. They won't read anything digitally. You know, when they went to college, when they went to high school, they had to have physical textbooks. Now, the unfortunate part is when I moved from Vancouver down to California, I had to haul four tons of hardbound books. But, you know, that's, that's life. And, and they love books. It's, I think there's still a, a big career there. Did we pay for that move, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was something there. <laughs> but now, look, so here's, here's the challenge. You know, I hear this all the time. If you're an employer, how do you get skilled employees? You know, I, I remember, you know, my early part of my career, I think, you know, I, I was more of a pre-press guy and, you know, the mm-hmm. imposition guy. And I was doing, you know, film stripping and, you know, had Ruby Lith attached to my clothes at the end of day. But explaining imposition to this generation is insane. They don't understand how it's printed, how it's produced. And so where, if I'm an employer today and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, I got to find, and I want to skill up, I want to develop that employee. I don't want to just get someone who's been around. I want to build the next generation of my company. Where do they start? What do they look for? Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'll back up a step. I, uh, I think it was about five or six months ago, I was working with a writer who was doing a, a story on the printing industry in this exact topic. So I, I luckily have a really nice database from PGSF. So I polled several thousand printers and, and people and then education places too, the, the, to these colleges and universities. And the, some of the questions were pretty basic. It was, do you have an apprenticeship program at your printing operation? Do you work with the uh, community college down the street that has a printing program? Where do you hire your people from? And it was amazing the disconnect between the graphic arts programs that are being offered and the local printers. They're just not talking to each other. Now, that's, that's not a blanket statement. There are obviously people that are doing a great job of it. And there's, you know, many of them are on the PGSF board. <laughs> But there's all this talent out there and there's such an opportunity to do apprenticeships to go get people, get them in early, get them in young and get them trained and then have them come work for you. So my biggest suggestion would be, you know, look around if you're a printer, who in your area has a printing program, has a graphic design program where you may be able to grab some talent that has some knowledge. And, you know, I talk to a lot of printers and they say, well, we we hire them in as temporary workers in the bindery and then they work their way up through the process. Well, wouldn't you be better off if you found somebody that actually understood imposition and understood what an estimate was <laughs> exactly. and understood what you know a paper grade was? So I think that's an area that we really need to focus on to get people, colleges and local printers working more closely with each other. And I, you know, like I said, there's a lot more that we can do. The, the Scholarship Foundation, we have on our website, there is, if you, if you go and search for it, there's a list of all the schools that, that are out there. So if there's any printers listening, go to pgsf.org and look for that catalog of schools. And you can just see if there's anybody in your area that you want to go after. We make it pretty easy. We update the thing every couple of years. Wow. So it's pretty much up to date. There's a great tip for people. And, and I hear that it's interesting. You know, I, I've often and you've probably heard me do this presentation over the years. You know, you describe essentially any role in the operation, you know, your estimator. 
I'm going to tell you that the estimator at a printing company is probably a 55 to 60-year-old man who's been in print his entire life. And at some point, that individual is going to retire. You know, and, and we see this movement of people going from one organization to another organization, but we need to get fresh blood in there. Mm-hmm. Isn't it better to maybe get a junior in there, someone who's fresh out of college, has got some understanding of the industry, have them mentored by that individual as they head into their twilight of their career and have them fill that role? I think it's a great opportunity for us to potentially build that employee that's going to be the next 20, 30, 40-year employee. Without a doubt. That's why I'm, I think apprenticeships are just so important. You know, I know when I started working, I, you know, I graduated from RIT back in the dark ages. When I first started, I worked at Travelers Insurance Company in a printing operation, which was a little implant with 350 employees in it. The first six months I was there, I worked in the plant, in every area of the plant. I worked in pre-press. I worked in composition. It wasn't hot metal composition. It was you know, <laughs> this prototype. Not quite that old. Uh, but it's, <laughs> but still had to be pasted up and photographed. Uh, so it was a while ago. I mean, I worked in the bindery. I worked in the sheet fit department. I worked in the web department. I worked in the digital department. It was worthwhile to get a really full exposure. Then I went and became a, a job planner for, for a few months and then kept moved up through the, through the ranks. But they had a really good program that was designed to bring people in and really get them to understand the, the business as they do it. And I think that's we need to do more of that. So is that an approach you would recommend to printers today? Bring someone in and give them a couple of months in each department, sort of feel them out, see where their interest lies, their skill set lies, yeah. and then try to you know help them get educated as a, an estimator, a planner, a, a scheduler, whatever that role is that they have an affinity for. Yeah. You know, you never know where you might hire somebody in for exposition. And after you see them working in various parts of the plant for a few months, you might say, hmm, I think they'd be better off over here and we'd be better off with them over here. You know, so that's that's kind of why I think it's a, it's a good thing to do. I mean, when I started, I was in you know, my background was really color theory and color management and things like that. That's what I kind of focused on in statistics at RIT. And I started off in planning, then I went to customer service and did that for a few years. Then I moved into a research department. And the, we had four people basically that did research and development for that plant, trying to find ways to save money. The long and short of it is that's how we implemented our MIS system. And I got put in charge of implementing the MIS system, which is kind of why we're here talking today. <laughs> it's kind of just kind of snowballed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, you know, my, my story is a little bit the same. You know, people often ask me, how did I get into the printing industry? I, you know, I took the most diverted approach to get here. I, you know, I often say to people, I guess I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, 25 years later, I'm still here and, and still loving it. And, and what I find interesting is, you know, I think there was a period of time Yeah, if you look at any industry, you go through quantum leaps of technology. We go back 15 years ago and digital printing was emerging. And, you know, we were seeing the indigo that was arriving and we started to see Xerox machines arriving. You know, the early generations were, you know, basically photocopiers with rips. And then we sort of had a big quantum leap. And then the, the industry sort of settled for a period of time. But I think we're at the cusp of that next leap. And I think more and more it's being driven by technology. And so, Bringing in that younger generation we talked about to mentor them in, you know, my kids, their world is online and the, the kids coming out of college, their world is online, they're tech savvy, you know, and combining them with someone that has the, the principles and understanding of the print industry, you know, why is that page upside down in the imposition? Oh, what you don't understand is it's a big folded sheet or why is there 25 of these on the sheet? 
you know, I think combining that tech savviness and base print understanding with, you know, that senior mentor is the great opportunity for our industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing. You know, there's also, I don't know if you're aware of it, there's the, the, the graphic arts coalition that's working on education and trying to have all these organizations come together to try and find ways to solve this actual problem. If you look at the GCWC, I think it is, dot com, you can find out a lot more information about what a lot of companies and organizations are trying to do working together to try and bring the, the it's kind of like the got pork, I no, got milk, not got pork. <laughs> Pork's the other white meat, it's got milk. Trying to build a campaign around print is everywhere to try and raise the awareness of print on a global basis so that people are aware of it. And that's, that's actually going pretty well, that group. And we're, PGSF is a big part of it. John Bertelson is actually driving that project. But that's something that people should take a look at too. Yeah. You know, on the scholarship foundation side, let's talk about that a little bit. That's the really important part, right? We want to give money away. That's, you know, we've signed me up. We love, to, <laughs> we love to give money away to students that want to study in the graphic arts. We just finished our evaluation process about a month ago. We had hundreds of candidates that applied, which was really positive. I mean, we're going to give out about $550,000 in scholarships this year to printing students, which is a big number. You know, it's, it's That's a big number. Yeah. So we're really pleased about that. But we're always looking for more donations, too. So if people want to would like to contribute, we can always use that and we can always use more money. You can donate at PGSF.org to, to help us out you know, or give me a call directly. And I'd be happy to talk to people about that, how to get my plug in. And uh, <laughs> but it's important, you know. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think this is the industry helping themselves in many ways. Yeah. So I, I got asked, uh, I was talking to a customer this week and they have a, a son who's now 15 and, and he's, you know, sort of been around the business for many years. You know, it's a, a family owned business, grandfather to father, mm -hmm. you know, and at some point, I guess he's thinking that the son will take it over. If you have a, if you were talking to someone like that, would you recommend them going to a formal program rather than, Hey, just come work in the shop and, and learn as you go? Yeah, that's interesting because I came out of a printing family. My grandfather started a printing company in New York that my father took over and I just didn't really didn't want to live in New York. So <laughs> <laughs> I went off. I actually was, uh, I enjoyed printing. I'd worked for my father and I also worked for another printer in the town that I was in and loved doing it and, but never thought of it as a career. So when I started to go to, to college, I actually started in pre-med. I was a biochem major and I hated it. And <laughs> as, as students often do, they, they get to college, the world opens up to them and they say, Hey, there's something this is else not what there. I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I joked that, you know, I, I went from there and I talked to my father and actually my father-in-law at the time, he still was my father-in-law. They both passed away. Unfortunately, they were both printers. And they said, you know, you really like printing. Why don't you go to RIT? I'm like, huh? What? So long way to get to answer your question. Yeah. I think a formal program is really important. And I think the reason is, you need to learn more new ideas, right? And get exposed to other thinking so that you're not basically boiling the same pot of water in your grandfather's plant for the next you know, 20 years. You really want to come back with some new ideas and some ways you can probably change the business, grow the business, and not always do it the same way, right? That's the kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, going for a formal education is, is really worthwhile. It'll really pay off in the long run. I, you know, it's interesting because I gave the same advice, you know, it's a great way to get the combined thinking of not only the professors that they get 
tutored under, but, but the students that they're exposed to and to bring some fresh ideas. And they're all not going to be winners that are going to make you millions of dollars or double the size of your business. But it's amazing to get outside ideas, outside thoughts, mm-hmm. bring them back to the business so that you can evolve that business because you know the business probably isn't the same business that their grandfather started. He started in the in the basement with a you know a, a multi half size sheet fed press <laughs> yeah, or a multi yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the business evolved and getting that outside thinking that more formal structured education bringing that back but and then learning sort of from both sides of the world I think is a great opportunity. Yeah. Hey, you know, the other thing is print has expanded so much. You know, nobody's just doing printing anymore, right? They're all marketing services companies or fulfillment companies. They're doing a myriad of different types of things that bring you more revenue and more profitable revenue. Well, and I think that, you know, one, one of the things you keep preaching is that it's the graphic communications. You know, we are a communications industry. It's not the put ink on paper and the job is done. Uh, you know, we understand how to communicate with people. And so whether that platform is in printed form or it's in online form, you, the world has crossed over. And I think, you know, we heard for many years that print is dead and it's all going away. And the reality is print isn't. And even as people went online and they started to see more ads that came in in your Amazon shopping cart or when you went to a website, there was ads everywhere. And people turned them off and they deleted the emails that they got. It was all spam. They want to see a printed piece. The reactions that they get, the feedback that they get, the results that they get from those marketing campaigns is significantly different. And the things you can do with digital printing now are just extraordinary. You know, you can get a personalized piece comes to your mailbox that's got different finishing textures on it now. And it's just, it's amazing that you can't, you know, you touch your screen in front of you. It's still pretty flat, right? It's not, uh, there's no raised imaging or debossing or embossing on it. So the, they can put more effort and time and money into pieces that are really going to grab somebody's attention, which also makes them a lot more complex, which means you need to have a, you know, a better understanding of the process, which kind of comes full circle, right? Back to the circle. Yeah. So to sort of wrap it up, Jeff, I guess the the thing that I would want people to take away, you know, printing is interesting. There's a world out there. So if you were sitting down, you've got an audience right now, what would you say to the printers in the world today about how they get new employees, how they educate their future generations of employees? There's two things. One, I already mentioned, you really need to start working with your local community colleges and universities that have printing programs. Look to your local high schools, you know, if you're the president of a printing company, CEO of a printing company, go out and ask your high school why they don't have a printing program or a graphic arts program anymore. And, and you'll let them do tours of your facility. Let people come in and see what's going on and help them understand and hire kids over the summer to do anything in your plant just to get them interested so they understand what's going on. You know, pay them enough money that it makes sense to come work for them. That's the other big thing. I know right now it's impossible to find people to work anywhere, but if you pay them enough, they'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. Uh, for furthering education, I'll put another plug in for PGSF. One of the things we did a couple of years ago is we changed our bylaws so that we will now provide scholarships to part-time students that are working in a printing operation. So if you've got somebody that's out there working in the plant, maybe working in the office, really wants to improve themselves, move up in the organization, you know, we have scholarships now for that type of individual to help them pay the cost of the education. I think that's a really big thing for people today to be able to do that. So again, 
They can find out more on pgsf.org to find out more about that. Fantastic. So, you know, I'm hearing community involvement, high schools, local colleges, get involved, have people come see your business and have them be as excited about print as you are. Yeah. And you too. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Jeff, this has been a fantastic conversation. You know, I learn something every time I chat to you. Same here. (laughs) Always been a, a mentor, always been someone that I can call. You know what? It's good to still have you in the industry, my friend. I hope you stay well. I will certainly try to. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for us here on Imaging and Things. I want to thank Jeff White for indulging us today and all of you out there for listening. I want to leave you with a little interesting fact, something that I personally found interesting. Only a convict knew how Australia's first printing press actually worked. Australia got its first printing press when a small hand press was actually brought over with the first fleet in 1788, but no one knew how to use it. So between 1795 and 1880, a convict named George Hughes taught himself how to use the press, was commissioned by the New South Wales governor, John Hunter, to print orders and regulations. Thanks, see you next time.